Praise the Lord, everybody. Grab your Bibles. We're going to get into our Bible lesson tonight. We're studying the minor prophets. And while you're doing that, I want to thank you for uh, your generous giving this past year. Uh, we've just finished uh, getting ready to have the CPA handle all of the books and, and uh, turn them in and then present the last year's report very shortly. But we had a not only a, a, a record year, but it's been the highest increase in giving in, in the, since I came in 2011. So I'm in my eighth year. Last year, finished seven years, was the highest increase in giving. Just I just mean folks giving. And so, uh, I mean, we've just been working so hard, we hadn't hardly thought about it. But it does do my heart. Uh, it does bless my soul to think that folks, and not just, uh, you know, all the saints of God, of course, give and, and tithe and so on, but, but so many others that have been giving throughout the year that are brand new folks, and it's, it just touches my heart. So can you say praise the Lord? All right, now we're, we're going to turn to... Um, the book of Micah, I wanted tonight to, um, brother, could you go to the next slide? We'll go back to that in just a moment. I want to read this scripture. All right, so um, I wanted to do both Micah and Nahum tonight, and, and, and from now on, so we'll only have three more lessons, we'll be done with the minor prophets, but uh, I wanted to do like I did with uh, Obadiah and Jonah, and then each time, but I was unable to uh, get Nahum into the study tonight. There, Micah's a little a little deeper and so on, and, and just various reasons I could not do a, uh, a duplicate study of two prophets at, in one evening. So we'll just look at Micah tonight. Will that be all right? And we're going to begin with Micah 1 and 1. Could we read that together and uh, see it there? I don't think anything's been taken out. When, when I put that... Uh, pink color there in the middle from Morasheth. I won't have you say Morasheth, but more, the Bible says that he was a Morashite. All right. Morasheth is a little town uh, just about 20 or 30 miles sort of uh, the southwest of Jerusalem. And it was near the Philistine town of Gath. It's in fact, Gath is often connected to, uh, to uh, Morasheth. So when we get to the, the, if you're looking up here, don't read the, that part because it's only what's in black there. Here we go. The word of the Lord that came to Micah the Morashite in the days of Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, which he saw concerning Samaria and Jerusalem. So this verse tells us everything we need to know about Micah, uh, except, a, well, a couple things we'll add when we go back. But I wonder if we could put our Bibles down and let's ask the Lord to bless our study of the prophet Micah tonight. Could we do that? Father, right now we thank you because your word is true. We thank you because our hearts are wide open to the word of God. Lord, we live in a world where many have closed their hearts and their minds to what God says and what God is doing. America's in trouble. We need a great revival. 
Lord, I pray revival will come. I thank you for every, every goodness, everything good on the horizon. But, Lord, America needs to turn from its wicked ways. And I thank you, Lord, for the message of the prophets. And I thank you for the word of God and everyone here tonight, Lord, as we study your word together in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. All right, you can be seated. Thank you for standing. Now, sometimes if you stand a little bit like that, it keeps you from, you know, going off to sleep so fast. So you need to... You know, sometimes you just got to move a little bit. And uh, I recommend coffee. I mean, it does help. All right, so we're going to go back now to our, uh, our 12 prophets. Of course, there were way more than 12 prophets, but we're talking about the minor prophets. Of course, in this particular overlay, you can see that uh, you've, we've got Elijah and Elisha, Ezekiel and Daniel. So they are in here as well, Jeremiah and Isaiah. So these would be the major prophets uh, other than the minor prophets that we would be mostly concerned about. But um, then the minor prophets are put in these colored. I put them in these colored uh, things, thinking it would help us to keep track of them. But. I don't know that it does, so it was just an attempt. All right, so in the blue here, we have uh, Hosea, Joel, and Amos, and then we've just covered Obadiah, Jonah, and now we're on Micah, so you can see we're halfway through. So we're going to pair these others and put Nam and Habakkuk together and, and, and Zephaniah, Haggai, and then Zechariah, Malachi. So we're going to put those together, but tonight we're looking at, at Micah. The two things to remember is that the kingdom of Israel was, dis was divided, and uh, this took place uh, in 931, and then all those years went by, and, and the, this, then the northern kingdom, those 12 tribes, basically the northern tribes never uh, served God another day. Have you ever known someone that said, hey, I'm going to do this great thing, and then next thing you know, they're totally backslidden? Well, that's what happened to... And by the way, most people don't recognize that they're backslidden. Some people do. Some people have a very tender heart, and they say, well, I know I'm not right with God, and so on. But the majority of people think, no matter what they're doing, murder or anything else, they just think they're just fine. They don't believe there's any judgment. There's nothing to worry about. So the northern kingdom basically were totally backslidden. There was not of the 20 kings of Israel. That's what it became came to be called, or some people don't want to call it Israel because it's confusing, because that's the name of the nation altogether, and they'll just call it the northern kingdom. Those kings up there moved the temple. They completely moved the worship into the northern kingdom because they, they rejected Jerusalem. Can you imagine that? They rejected Jerusalem, and the only two nations, I mean, the only two tribes down here were Judah and Benjamin, and they became known as the nation of Judah. You have to understand that if you're going to read these prophets, because that's what it's all about. God speaking back and forth between these two uh, kingdoms and, and what is going to happen to them. And now in the southern kingdom, there were about the same number of kings, except that eight of those kings in the south were some of the most amazing kings in the history of Israel. And if we mentioned their names, such as Hezekiah, uh, people would know the name Hezekiah. Most of the other kings uh, are so pathetic, you don't remember them. Nobody thinks of their names, except uh, I, I tend to easily uh, know who Ahab is because 
because he was <laughs> because of who his wife was. So um, and, and because he was so wicked and he lived during the time of the most famous prophet in all the Old Testament. And that's Elijah himself. Even though Elisha did twice as many miracles, he is not as well known. Nothing about Elisha is as well known as Elijah. Okay, so the minor prophets came along. And they're prophesying at about the same time. But the thing to see is that, uh, for example, Amos and Hosea, which we've already talked about, uh, they were prophesying to the northern kingdom. Except like Jonah, he was not only, uh, I wish I had a picture of this. He's not, see, here's, um, here's, uh, uh, <laughs> this ought to really help you. Here, this is, uh, uh, this is Judah and Israel over here. This is along the Mediterranean. If you keep going up, they'll go way over there, see? Then that's Nineveh. And Nineveh was the largest city in the world in its day. For 50 years, until the day it was annihilated, it was the largest city in the world. For 50 years before that date that it was annihilated. And, and Jonah went there. Uh, in 755, and of course he went there via a whale or a very large fish, and, uh, and he prophesied to them, and they repented. Everybody say, praise the Lord. So they repented, and, and of course we've already, we've already talked about all that. So th that was in the north. But the reason I'm saying Nineveh is way over there is that Nineveh, the, the Assyrian capital and Nineveh, its largest city, that nation swept down and came into uh, Jerusalem and tried to take over uh, Jerusalem, almost did. And when this took place, there was about 25 years of, of constant back and forth. And that's what you're reading about when you read Isaiah, what's going on between the uh, Assyrians trying to destroy the worship of God's people. Well, the northern uh, tribes had already given up the worship of, of, of the true God. They worshiped any God they wanted, did any, anything they want, and thought they were perfectly fine. And Micah is going, to, is going to refer to this over and over. Now, but here's the thing. How many notice that Micah is way down here? That means that Micah was living in Judah. He prophesied to Judah, but he mostly spoke of the destruction of the northern kingdom. So that complicates it even more. Even though he's prophesying down here, he's speaking about all this that's going on in the northern kingdom and how Judah is going to be swept away as well. And so it is. And that's basically what all that's saying. Just before the Assyrians came down and took them captive and... Uh, and right about the time of the second attempt to take over Judah in 701. So during that 20-year period, uh, Jerusalem, uh, Israel had a, or I, I'm sorry, Judah had a chance to uh, turn to the Lord. Everything would have been different. But let's see what Micah has to say. Now, Micah's going to tell us a couple things, and we're only going to look at the highlights. Could everybody say praise the Lord? All right, so you, you, you still are out there. So the word of the Lord came to Micah in the days of Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. So we have no question, no doubt about it. Now, liberal scholars don't believe a word Micah says. They have a Bible. They teach the Bible. But they don't believe anything Micah says. 
Micah wasn't uh, Morishite. It wasn't during the time of Jotham. In fact, many liberal scholars today say nothing. Anybody want to guess why they don't think Micah could have prophesied during the time of Hezekiah? Because that would have meant he was actually prophesying correctly. And liberals don't believe in that. They don't believe that a prophet could get up and say, three days from now, something's going to happen. They don't believe in it. So they say, well, that couldn't have been. He must have, uh, blah, blah, blah. And so they, they deny it. And they say, well, that must have been later. So that's why most liberal scholars reject any prophecy or anything in the Bible because they say that uh, is proof that there is a miracle of prophecy going on. It doesn't happen. Now, you also notice here, notice here, everybody say, praise the Lord, that he, it's concerning what? Samaria and Jerusalem. Now, what is Samaria? Everybody? Everybody? Anybody? Samaria is the capital of Israel. See, it's the capital of the northern kingdom. Go back. Go back because they, they can't wait to see this one more time. All right, see, the, Samaria is the capital of the northern kingdom. They moved the capital way, way up here, close to Nineveh. Uh, uh, I'm, yeah, Nineveh. And so, I mean, not close to Nineveh, but, but way up towards Nineveh. And so that's why they, they swept down and took them over. And, and he said, so I've got prophecies that re relate to Samaria, and I have prophecies that relate to, to Jerusalem. All right, let's go uh, to the next slide. Now, we're going to look at verse 2. Hear, you peoples, all of you, listen, earth and all who live in it. How many think he's trying to tell us something there? Let's, let's read that together. Let's try. Come on, you've you got to shake yourself a little bit. Here we go. Hear, you peoples, all of you, listen, earth and all who live in it. Okay, so he, I, he, how many notice I circled something in that verse? Okay, I didn't type that out, by the way. I found that, so I've used it. And then I circled the word earth because what I'm trying to show you is that all the prophets have what I call prophetic, proleptic. You can call it anything you want to, but it, they don't just see one thing. They see the miracle happening now, and then they see a parallel uh, prophecy coming to pass later. For example, how many know that Micah is preaching to both Samaria and Jerusalem in 735 B.C. I mean, that's way back there. And yet, he, what does he prophesy? That there's going to be a Messiah born. Well, that Messiah is not coming for nearly 800 years. So he's, that's prophetic poleptic. Liberals don't believe in this. You can show it to them all day long and they say, well, that just can't be talking about Jesus. For example, how many knows the famous prophecy of Micah? Anybody? You, you, come on. Okay, I'll just talk. I'll, uh, all these folks up here, I'll talk to them. So the, the famous uh, prophecy in Micah, the most famous prophecy in all of Micah is the birthplace of the Messiah, which was what? Bethlehem. But liberals say, well, that, wasn't, that, that didn't mean Jesus. Because that would mean 800 years before it happened, somebody prophesied it, and you, that could never happen. See, liberals, just, it's, it's just like, well, you tell them, I was sick, I was supposed to die, and the doctor said I was going to die, and I didn't die, and so the Lord healed me. That's the proof. And they go, uh, no, that's not proof. You must have been, uh, got a good medicine, or you didn't really have it, or whatever. They never, they, they never give God credit for anything. And, and let me tell you, and yet they give the devil credit for everything. All right, so he, here, you peoples, all of you. See, what's he doing there? He is he's doing a, a number of things. But the first of all, 
He is trying to show us that he's not just talking about Samaria, Samaria and Jerusalem. He's talking to the entire earth. Can you see that? That's at the very beginning of Micah. Here you, I'll just say it this way. Here, everybody listen to me in the entire earth. That's what he just said. And all who live in it. Okay, well, who does he mean by all who live in the earth? What does that mean? Everybody. So he's not just talking about Samaria and Jerusalem. If he were, he wouldn't say that. He is talking about prophetic distance. I'm going to show you things at the end of time. And if you've got a brain, you're going to do something about it. Now, did, did Micah fully understand it? No, because as I've said, the pro proleptic means they don't see everything. They never saw the church. Okay, everybody that lives in it, that the sovereign Lord, all right, may what? Bear witness. He's going to testify against you, everybody in the earth. The sovereign Lord will bear witness against you. The Lord, see, that's, he keeps repeating it, the Lord from his holy temple. All right, now let's, let's go to verse 3. The Lord, I'm going to cut almost all of it out. The Lord will come down. Now, I, I put this in here because I know I'm going to skip around a lot, but um, I find this very interesting that Micah says. And how many believes every word of the Bible? Does anybody here believe every word of the Bible? I can't tell you the times at the university level I've been slapped around because I was one of those Bible thumpers. Didn't matter that I had a degree in Hebrew. Didn't matter that I had a PhD. But I was a Bible thumper. By the way, that's the number one way people try to, uh, to get people to do what they want them to do is to be putting them down. They think that if you, if you smear people or if you kind of make them feel bad, they'll, they'll just quit doing it. But, uh, but I find it, I, well, first of all, every word of the Bible is true. And it's said in, a, in, in the way that it is said. Now, I happen to know Hebrew. I know what the Hebrew says as well. The Lord, and notice the ellipses. I've cut most of it out there but I, because I only wanted to look at this. The Lord will do what? He will come down. I find that interesting that Micah uses this language that the Lord is in heaven. We just look at it. Here you peoples, all you, the earth, everybody, anybody, whether you're black, white, red, yellow, white, green, purple, the, the sovereign Lord will bear witness. He's going to come down from heaven. I mean, that just is amazing to me. Now, how many of us think God can do what he wants to? He doesn't need a helicopter. He doesn't have to come down. So there's something meant here. For him to say the Lord is going to come down. And uh, then he says, what, of course, and what he's going to come down to do is to judge. And that's why I put the, the finger pointing at me. So the Lord will come down for her wound is incurable. Everybody say incurable. For it is common to Judah. So I'm going to try to explain this the way um, uh, what I believe is accurate. What I think uh, Micah is intending to say. That what has happened to the people of God is so bad, it's like a cancer. I'm going to just use this link. I don't, I don't know if he was thinking of cancer, but it, it's like a, a cancer that is incurable, 
See, you wouldn't say that a wound that was inflicted by a sword, for example, was incurable. Now, you might say that it was deadly, but you wouldn't speak of a wound from a sword as incurable. It's talking about a disease, for her wound is incurable because it has reached all the way to Judah. Now, I want to tell you something tonight. I think the church can take a great deal of of affirmation from Micah that in the midst of darkness, you can find the light. In the middle of trouble, you can find the answer. Just because everybody else is going to hell, you don't have to go to hell. You can walk with God. Hallelujah. Even when the... What is happening? Now, listen to me. Some of you aren't listening, but a couple of you are, so I'm talking to you. So the... The, the evil or the wound or whatever, I'm, I'm going back and forth here between symbols. The wound that's incurable has come all the way down. Are you saying, are you following me? It's, it went all the way. It started up there in, in, uh, in the northern kingdom, but it has completely infected Judah, the psychic cancer. It started over there. Now it's over here. That's what Micah is saying. Even unto Jerusalem. So he, he didn't let. How many see that I put here it, it, with the little pointed finger that's pointing at me? It's not pointing at you. It's pointing at me. I'm standing here and that's pointing at me. God judged the people that he loved. He judged them. So I'm wondering what will happen to those who have never been the people of God, who defy God, will they ever face judgment? And the answer is, absolutely they will. Micah is basically saying, God's kept his word with Jerusalem. It's gotten all the way down here, but you thought, let's go back, let's go back, let's go back. I failed to say this, all right, because this is the theme I'm using. We're going back one slide. All right, there we are. Why are you so smug in your riches? That's really what Micah's saying. You really think that because you're Jerusalem, I want to tell you the greatest sin the United Pentecostal Church needs to be careful of, and that is the sin of smugness. To think that I, because I'm UPC, that makes me something. No, my friend, it doesn't. It's the blood of Jesus that makes you what you are. It is the cross that saved you. It is the Savior that lifted you up. Not the UPC or any other denomination. But people get smug, you see. I'm not saying they are smug in the UPC. I'm saying that's the greatest sin we must battle is the sin of thinking that because I'm this or because I'm that. Hey, I go to meetings all the time and I defend the United Pentecostal Church and I defend the growth of the apostolic movement and I've been to universities all over the country showing them that this is the fastest growing Pentecostal body in the world and I thank God for it. But we must always watch for arrogance. Oh, we're this and we're that and so on. And that's what education does to people. Let me tell you right now, education can be a blessing or it can be a curse. Depends on what you do with it. If you become arrogant because of it, then it has become your curse. And Micah says you are. And so, so let's keep going. 
let's go now to, um, to uh, verse 4. Here we go. Now I want to read this. Uh, I'm going to read it from what I'm going to call a, I'm going to refer to this as a simplified translation. Sometimes I translate it, but it doesn't matter who's translating it. I do translate. I don't mind translating. But, uh, uh, but I'm going to read it instead of reading it word for word from the, uh, from the authorized. I'm reading it as a simplified version here. The mountains melt beneath his feet. And flow, see, that's why I say it's simplified. I could have just as easily read the King James. Maybe I should have. The mountains melt beneath his feet and flow into the valleys like wax in a fire. Like water pouring down a hill. Now, there's a couple things about this that that I want to impress upon us. I need to move quickly because I've got to cover the whole book. But um, <clears throat> first of all, there, there's, a, there's a double truth coming through from this description of the mountains melting beneath his feet. The first one is, is if, you can, if you can take it, if you can receive it, and that is that he's referring to the Mount Zion. Anybody know what Mount Zion is? It's not the road over here. I'm not talking about the road over here. If people tell you they're on Talmud Road, they're not talking about me. Or Talmadge Lake. They're not, they're not fishing at my place. If they said, well, we were at Talmadge Lake. Someone asked me just this week was, did something about me and Talmadge Lake. Folks, I'm going to tell you, you may not think it's true, but people think that I own Talmadge Lake. Or have some huge something to do with Talmadge Lake. And I sometimes I try this. I have never been on Talmadge Lake. I, 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 I only saw Talmadge Lake for the first time a few years ago. For the very first time, I saw Talmadge Lake the first time. So Mount Zion, Micah, Use, I don't know, I, I don't want to be careful. I don't want to say that he's using it as exaggeration. And I'm not saying that this scripture is exaggeration. What I'm trying to say is he's using it very poetically to say that the mountains melt beneath his feet and flow into the valleys like wax in a fire. That is poetic because that would mean that would be the end of the earth. There would be no earth. Now, I'm not saying that something similar will occur. What I'm trying to say is he means to make a double reference. The hills will melt in the presence of Mount Zion. God will have a people and Zion will stand. Yes, so I, when I say uh, it's a form of poetic Something, I won't say exaggeration, but poetic license, we might say, to use the idea that it's like wax in a fire and it starts running down. The whole idea is that everything is going to fall beneath the Mount of Zion. And oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Anybody here need a hope today? Anybody here need to believe in a God that's able to help you? Whatever you're battling, whatever you're doing, God is going to melt it like wax. Hallelujah. So if you say it's melting like wax, it would say like wax. 
Okay. Didn't say it's identical to wax. It says it's like it. Anybody following me here? Okay. Didn't say it's wax. Mountains aren't made of wax. And if every mountain in the earth would begin to flow like wax, that would be quite even more petrifying than the book of Revelation describes the end of time. It's poetic for demonstrating that the Mount of Zion will stand when everything else falls beneath it. It's going to rise up. Hallelujah. Anybody believe that God is able to make it rise up in the midst of your trouble like water pouring down a hill? How many? Okay, let's do that. Woo! Hallelujah. I'm really feeling this. Okay, so here, here you got two symbols. Somebody said, oh, no, you can't say that because wax, boy, it says it's wax. Yeah, but it also says it's water. So which is it? Is it wax or water? So it can't be identical to water and identical to wax. It's saying it is like it. The way that wax would come flowing down, let's say, the side of a candle or whatever, or a water would start rolling down a hill. The point is it's going to fall beneath the heights of God's kingdom. Hallelujah. Now, this little picture here, I, I used it on purpose. I, I had a bunch of others, and I said, I'm using it. They can laugh all they want. And, and that's supposedly some sort of a, I think that's a glass globe is what it was. And then somebody, uh, you know, that's all fake, obviously. But it, it's a globe of the world showing that the world is going to melt, as it were. How many of us that God's got the whole world in his hand? And if you think you're going to outsmart God, God is going to show you otherwise. It's time to repent. It's time to get right with God, and it's time to serve the Lord with all of your heart. Praise God. And that's true. And so God's going to, uh, he's going to judge the world. So the bottom line is it's about the judgment of God. Two things, though. The mount of God will stand. Judgment will take care of everything else. So he's going to shut down evil for good. How many knows that the world's going to be rid of evil? Anybody know that? How many knows that in heaven there will be no Adolf Hitlers in heaven? Anybody know that? No, no, no. Some of you don't evidently believe it. You, uh, you, thank you, my brother. So you, you must believe that they're going to be racists in heaven. See? Just think of it. Think of it. Think of racists in heaven. Think of murderers in heaven. Think of child molesters. and You think of it and then you tell me that it's a wonderful place where we still have to worry about our babies and somebody kidnapping. No, no, my friend. None of that's going to be in heaven. No, sir. He shuts it down. Hallelujah. I was praying today about it. And uh, I was just like saying, Lord. Oh, I'm longing for that. No more. No more sickness. Can you imagine a world where there's not a single sick person? Is anybody disappointed that there are going to be no hospitals in heaven? No surgery units? I'm sorry for all you doctors and nurses. I love you. I thank God for you. But you're going to have to get a new job in heaven. Because there are going to be no surgeries up there. There are going to be no cancer. They're going to be no suffering. Hallelujah. They're going to be no liars. Listen, there aren't going to be any liars in heaven. I can tell some of you think there probably are going to be liars in heaven. I can just tell. 
They're going to be liars. I can tell all these lies and I'm just going to make my way to... No, no, no. There aren't going to be any liars in heaven. No murderers. No backbiters. No gossipers in heaven. Can you imagine getting to heaven and them saying, I can't believe they made it here. Can you imagine that? No, no. People doing that aren't going to make it. They're not making it. So what Micah is telling us, okay, i got to get back. I'm, I'm really enjoying this, and I'm sorry. Okay, so um, the earth, Micah tells us, is going to reach a point. See, this is his real point. Some of you, can, some of you are going to receive it, that it's like wax melting. There's a certain point uh, where, uh, how many knows there's a point where things freeze? There's a point where things boil. Uh, There's a point at which it will reach the the point or the level or whatever. Uh, I'm trying to use scientific words, and and it's not scientific. There's going to be a point in which God says, okay, this is the last day right here. No more, no more, no more. Uh Uh-uh, no, no, that's it right there. That's the last curse. I'm telling you, folks. Now, you can, you can enjoy this or not, but I'm, I'm enjoying this. There's going to be a day when there's going to be the last lie told. There's going to be the last murder that takes place. There's going to be the last suffering that takes place, the last death that takes place, because heaven is going to be a perfect and wonderful place. And this will all, listen, this will all begin. And Micah, what's amazing is that Micah talks about all this in seven chapters. It all begins with the Lord saying, that's it. I'm sending the judgment now. Zion rises up. Everything melts like water. Let's get rid of the wax idea. It's going to run like water down a hill. It's just going to shoom. The point, of course, is it's going to happen and be over, and God is going to take care of everything. The key to it all is the church and Israel. Everybody say the church. Everybody say Israel. And I get a lot of people mad when I start this kind of talk. Because I'm, I'll tell you, I know people that are apostolic that are so frustrated because I, I teach on places and things where they go, well, you, you, you mean you, you believe Israel is going to be restored and you believe the, what the Bible says about that? Yep. Mm-hmm. I do. Uh, you don't? Well, no. Israel, well, they're goners. They're goners. You'd be surprised. I think I may be attacked on this sister more than anything. Well, no, Jesus' name is the most I've ever been attacked on. I've been attacked more for preaching Jesus' name baptism than anything else. But next to that, it's preaching in an apostolic world that Israel is going to be right where God promised them at the end time. The church and Israel will both be brought into righteous glory before God. The church will be raptured. Israel will be down here. The, the Israel's not going to be raptured. It's going to be going through the tribulation. That, in fact, the tribulation was designed for Israel. That's who it's designed for. Woo, hallelujah, that's good preaching. All right, so the key is Israel in the church. Now, let's go to the next one. All right, now, here we have uh, verse, uh, uh, b- 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 verse 6, and I will make Samaria... As a what? A heap. Now, what's that picture look like? That looks like a heap. Does that picture look like? Can you see it? I know it's black and white. I know it's several. Uh, uh, hundred, well, 
I, I forget exactly the date of that picture. It was long, long ago. In the early days of even being able to um, take photographs. That is Samaria. Make thee bald and pull thee for thy delicate children. So I'm going to say that in an easier way. Uh, go ahead and rend your garments and shave your head. The word pole just means to shave. So do all of this because when you defied God, you brought this judgment upon your own children. You have brought this upon your own and you notice it, I didn't retranslate, I probably should, now that I think about it, I should have retranslated the idea of a delicate, delicate children. But I think we get it. Tender, innocent, the whole idea of delicate here is that the children themselves, they didn't make that choice. They didn't make that choice. You say, I'm just, I don't know if I can take it anymore, but what about your babies? What about the people you love that will never hear you pray again? They'll never know the things that you knew because you're walking away from it. My friend, I want to tell you something. You might as you ought to rip your clothes before you walk away from the God of heaven. Wow, that's good preaching. My goodness, that's good preaching. Hallelujah, hallelujah. So let's ask the question, why? Because some of you think I'm going to go all night long. So why does the judgment come? The Bible says... Because of the evil injustice to the powerless. I'm bringing this judgment upon Jerusalem because you became so arrogant. You not only gave up righteousness, you began to oppose dignity and, and every good thing. You don't even, can't even think properly. And then he goes on, and I'm not going to read the whole chapter. We'd have to read the entire uh, chapter 2 to do it. But let's look at verse 6, and that's down here. Actually, this is, this is not the King James. Don't prophesy like that. This is, I'm showing you where the smugness is. There's several places, but I, I thought we'd use this one. Don't prophesy like that. Quit preaching like that. This, those, such disasters will never come our way. You see, that was how they thought. And then I want to show you one more thing because the whole point is that there's going to be a boiling point of judge, judgment where um, God will... Now, I know God knew it before it uh, happened, but the evil in the world and the conditions in the church in Israel... Um, reach a point that the wax begins to melt. So Micah's saying that it's going to happen. You need to prepare yourself and get right with God. And so I'm going to give you one more. I'm jumping over to seven, but here's an example of the, of not of injustice, but because we're, we're, other than verse 2, it says they oppress. And then it goes into this long list of oppressions. But verse 2 of chapter 7 says, the good man. Can you read that with me? I know that's kind of small. The good man is perished 
out of the earth, and there is none upright among men. See, there's going to be a point where the Lord says that that was it right there. The last person, the last person that's going to curse in my face. My mercy has held off. But because it reaches a place. Now, I want to tell you what I think. I believe that America debating the question of whether are all of our children. Uh, I'm going to say this as carefully as I can. America debating the question of whether we should be able to kill a child. After it is born. Yes, church, we we will reach a day when the Lord will say. That's it. Now, it's hard to accept that kind of preaching because uh, at the same time, I preach that God knows everything before it ever happens and so on and so forth. But it's true. It will reach that point. He knows it's going to reach that point. He's told us it will reach that point. Revelation makes it so obvious. And, of course, we're not teaching Revelation. So the evil toward humanity, that is the injustice, in the end time, <clears throat> will dwarf all inhumanity ever known. It will become a world. Now, someone said, well, is that going to be? Now, listen to me. I, I know some of you are not going to be able to receive it. I, I understand it. I've, and I, I wish I could just preach what you want to hear. But um, when you listen, listen, if you can, when the rapture takes place, let's say it happens tonight. Let's say it happens tonight, and the church is gone. I'm telling you, I am saying to you tonight, the vacuum of evil in this world will reach such heights that humanity will never have seen it before. The Antichrist is the embodiment of Satan. Now, you notice I didn't say the incarnation. You devil, you could never be incarnate. Only God could be incarnate. Hallelujah. I'm saying that after the rapture, much of the evil that will come in, like if you suck the goodness out of the entire, like every drop of juice out of the orange, that's what's going to happen to this this planet, a Nazi-like Hitlerian disregard for life, decency, and righteousness never witnessed by man before will be unleashed during the tribulation on this world. You say, well, you can't, you can't brush everybody with the same brush, Brother French. Because <laughs> there's people that 
are pretty good. <laughs> They're pretty good people. They're not Hitler. They're not like that. So why would God leave them here? Better start figuring it out. If you spend half as much time thinking about it than you do playing, you would have already been in an altar. You would have already been at least talking to God somewhere and trying to get a hold of God. Could we just lift our hands and thank God? Lord, we live in a world where slavery was real. We live in a world where evil has prevailed all over the globe. But because of righteousness, people were able to overcome it. But now we're seeing a reversal of it. Where now instead of defending the unborn, we are saying let's kill our own babies. Oh God, I pray for America. I pray we will repent, oh God. And I ask you to help us, Jesus. Lord, please hold back, oh God, as long as you can, oh Lord. And let us be about your business, oh Jesus. I'm just a little sick and tired of people playing, playing, just playing all the time. That's basically what I think of television. It's just a big playground. People just getting together and you say, well, you know, well, you know, there's really good things in news and there's all this stuff and, and great, great. I'm just tired of people playing all the time and then pretending that they're you know, I just can't win anybody to God because I'm just so busy. And I just can't pray enough. Now, we had a great prayer meeting last night. But you need to ask yourself, is your prayer being added to what God could do in this last day? If the rapture takes place this week, will your prayers have made a difference? Whether it's in this building or home, your prayers can make a difference. The devil is a liar, and your prayers can make a difference. Hallelujah, hallelujah. But what did they say? Quit prophesying like that. It's never going to happen to us. I don't believe in all that fairy tale rapture business. Well, we'll talk to you about it after the rapture. All right, let's go on now to Micah 2 and 12. So the restoration of Israel is what he's most concerned about. And he says in verse 12, I will surely assemble, O Jacob, all of thee. Everybody say, all of thee. I will surely gather the remnant of Israel. Has anybody ever heard the expression, the lost tribes of Israel? Okay. Does anybody know a religion that's built 100% on the belief in the lost tribes of Israel? What's that religion called? Mormonism. Mormonism is built upon the idea that the, the tribes of Israel were lost. And I've talked to many of Mormon and say, my friend, let me tell you, I understand Joseph Smith believed they were lost and thought they were the American Indians, but it's not true. They weren't lost. And I've, I've uh, taken the Bible and said, and, they, and every Mormon I've ever met believes in the Bible. I mean, they'll take a Bible. They love to take a Bible. But I am telling you that the tribes of Israel have already been reassembled, but they will in the end time be gathered together as a remnant. Everybody say a remnant. That not everybody that's in Israel, of Israel is going to be saved, but there's going to be a remnant. He's going to have Israel back. Now, I want to read this here. Here we go. Verse 13. And this is... Uh, uh, Brother French, are you open to it? Anybody open to it? I need to be sure. Is anybody over there uh, 
over, is anybody over there? All right, Sister Morris, can you follow me? Help me out. If this, if I'm reading, if this is not King James, I just took it for granted that's King James. From memory, I didn't think to look back because sometimes the translation gets real close and it's not the King James. All right, so if it turns out, here's what you can do. You can just go like that, and I'll know that means that this is, um, that this is uh, wrong. Okay, here we go. Verse 13. The breaker is come up before them. Is that the King James Bible? Okay, let's read it together then. The breaker is come up before them. Okay, now I'm, I'll read the rest so you don't have to try to read that little tiny. They have broken up. Tell me if it's just wave like this, I'll know. They have broken up and have passed through the gate and are gone out by it. And their king shall pass before them and the Lord on the head of them. That's King James, isn't it? All right, so, so even though I took that because I wanted the footprints, okay, because that, that, when I saw the footprints, I said, that, 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 that's it, I got to have that. All right, the footprints then, how many knows? How many ever heard the poem about the footprints in the sand? And, and, and I thought, Lord, they're just two footprints there. Why did you leave me? And the Lord, I love this. And the Lord said, well, that, that's because that's when I carried you. Those are my footprints there. You, you couldn't walk anymore, and I carried you. And so they were like, oh, my goodness. That's what I call the eye-opener. And so it is that Jesus is the breaker who has come up before them. He's going to break their chains. He's going to open their minds. Israel is going to see the chain breaker in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Put your hands together and praise God for giving us a chain breaker. He's a wall breaker. Hallelujah. He tears down the barriers and he gets rid of all of the evil and he brings Israel back. And of course, there's a picture. I put that there so you could see that Israel's there. Yep, yep, yep. There they are. That's a picture of it right there. All right, so they're already back. The, the 12 tribes are back. Don't let anybody tell you there's 10 lost tribes. All right. Okay, now, Micah 3, we're almost done. Here we go. Uh, let, let me do something because I can tell you can't take much more. Hold on. Okay, yeah, we're almost there. We're almost there, folks. If you could breathe, breathe like this. Go, kind of go like this. Go in and out, okay, because I think you can make it, all right? Micah 3, and, and that's basically the whole chapter. All right, I'm going to only read two verses, and you can see it at the bottom, but because of this chapter, I'm, I'm re referencing a truth that's found elsewhere in Scripture, especially the book of Revelation. But certainly right here, Micah, thank you. Thank you, Micah. Thank you for preaching. Thank you for being the oddball that preached it no matter what anybody thought about it. So what is happening in Israel and in the church is more significant to end time events than to what is happening in the world. The backsliding of those people of faith is the greater fulfillment of Scripture than anything the world is doing. Now, the world's doing unbelievable sin all about us. But that is not the greater signal or significance in our world. It's what's happening in the church. How many remembers uh, Jesus saying that there were, 
there were ten virgins. Anybody remember the ten virgins? Okay, it's more significant what they had in their lamp than anything going on anywhere else. It's the bridegroom that's important, and it's his bride that's important. And so Micah rebukes the leaders. Now listen to his rebuke. And, of course, the same is true of Israel. What's going on in Israel right now, some of you can't receive it, but I'm telling you, you may not get through another month. I'm telling you, church, Israel is being squeezed by the world in which we live. There are dangers that are encroaching upon Israel. And I, I don't want to say what's going to happen the minute the rapture happens because I don't know. But I suspect it will be shocking to the entire world. I'm going to be gone. Anybody plan to go into rapture? I plan to leave here. So here's what was wrong. He said, you rulers make decisions based on bribes. You priests, this is a simplified, you see that? You priests teach God's word only for a price. You see what Micah is saying? Now you may not can I'm going to I'm jumping to the chase cuz I've only got a few more minutes. He's saying that they were smug in their riches. He says this several times. Even see what mattered it, it wasn't so much that the world was doing it, but that the priests were doing it. You prophets won't prophesy unless you are paid. Now, that's not the important part. That's, that's all important, but this is the important part. So you've got to try to stay awake a little bit longer. Yet all of you claim to, be, uh, to depend on the Lord. Everybody say claim. Lord, I need so much to talk about. You claim to depend on the Lord. Now, that wasn't true. They weren't depending on the Lord. But they believed they were depending on the Lord. The point is, the spirit of the end time is the spirit of, I'm fine. I haven't got anything to worry about. I'm depending on the Lord. Well, I, I, every day, I, I, I'm just a really good person. No, listen, not done. Okay, this is a simplified version. No harm can come to us, you say, for the Lord is here among us. He's rebuking them for their smugness to think that they can do all these other sins and say, well, we used to be like that. We used to dress holy, but we don't worry about that anymore. See, the smugness, or, hey, it, God doesn't care if I'm half naked. God doesn't care where I go. He doesn't care what I drink. He doesn't care what I'm doing. Oh, yes, he does. It's time to get past your smugness and recognize God is dealing with you. Okay, okay, Micah, that's Micah. I just tell you what Micah said. And he shall judge among the many people and rebuke strong nations afar off, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword 
against nation. So a nation neither shall there they learn war anymore. So this is talking about the 1,000-year millennium. Of course, millennium means 1,000. So 1,000-year millennium in which there will be no more war. Christ is going to reign on the earth. Now, I have, I've, I've, I've told the Lord several times, Lord, I'd really love to preach about this. And he's never inspired me to preach just the millennium. Of course, that's a period of time after the church is gone. But the millennium is the hope of Israel to have its Messiah and for the world to have peace and no more war. Satan. Anybody remember the old song? What was that song? Satan. My voice. Satan will be bound a thousand years. We'll have no tempter then. After Jesus shall come back to earth again. Anybody remember that song? Oh, our Lord is coming back to earth again. Yes, our Lord is coming back to earth again. Satan will be bound a thousand years. We'll have no tempter then. After Jesus shall come back to earth again. Hallelujah. So uh, Micah is getting it all squeezed in. Everything from from the war in 701 and Judah about to fall and all that's happening to Israel to the millennium hundreds of years later. The next slide. But thou Bethlehem Ephratah, or Ephratah is actually the Hebrew sounds. But thou Bethlehem Ephratah, out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are what? Have been what? From of old and what? Everlasting. He's been, uh, he has been, he is an eternal ruler. He's always been. And, and you might want to check out some of these new translations. They try to change that because they know that means that Jesus is God. If it says he's from everlasting, that means he's God. Anybody here believe Jesus is God? <laughs> Hallelujah. You call his name Jesus. He's going to save his people from their sins. Hallelujah. Now, here we go. We're almost done. He hath showed the old man, Micah 6 and 8, what is good. Everybody say good. And what doth the Lord require of thee? To do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. Now, many people see this as an antithesis of judgment. But Micah says, justice demands judgment. Okay, I'm, I'm almost, one more slide, we're done. So someone grabs your child. Now, is anybody old enough in here, too young to hear this? I'm, I can't see him if they are. Uh, he doesn't know a word I'm saying except hallelujah every once in a while. Um, so they grab your, and I know this has just happened, and I'm not describing a particular case, but they grab this child in the mall. You're in the mall, and then you say, Sister French and I had this one time. We thought they grabbed our child in the mall. Was it, was it Ryan? And uh, we, I want to tell you, you see Sister French, how sweet and how very lovely she is. The minute, I mean, she was shopping, looking at these dresses, and I was going. (laughs) 
and Ryan was gone. I think he was about four, maybe three, four. And I mean, Sister French went into nin ninja mode. Wow! Where is my baby? She, I mean, she, wow! I mean, she, where, who are you? Are you the manager? Where's my baby? I mean, and I was going. Sister French, you know it's true. Don't tell them it's not true. <laughs> so someone's child is taken. I'm going to get off of that story because I want to go home and have a good evening. So, uh, and they do harm to your baby. Is the judge supposed to say, well, he killed your, uh, your child, but um, actually he's really sorry about that now, so we're not going to do a thing in the world to him at all. We're not going to do a thing in the world to him. No, see, justice demands judgment. Now, what that judgment is and how it's meted out, well, that depends on, on the judge. So he ends... It, we've got two more scriptures in, in, in chapter 7 that we're done. Then she that is mine enemy shall see it. That is going to see what God has said, what God has done. And shame shall cover her which said unto me, where is the Lord that God? Where is the Lord you've been talking about all this time? See? In other words, the mockers are going to figure it out after the rapture. They're going to realize when all these things start coming to pass... Mine eyes shall behold her. Now shall she be trodden down as the mire, which is just the word mud, as the mud in the streets. In other words, because of the life she lived, which is referring, of course, to, to Judah sinning against God, it's going to be, you're going to come to judgment because this is the life that you lived. It, de it demands judgment and I'm going to bring judgment but here we go last scripture God makes promises that in the end he's going to bring Israel back from the grave bring them back into Jerusalem and he is going to give her victory in exactly the same way that he gives his people victory let's let's stand together so in the end, the enemy is going to be defeated. Praise God. Just like he's defeated when you pray. Now, some of you have enemies. And here's our last verse in Micah we're going to read tonight. I want us to read it together. It, it's a little strange, but that's a because this is from a plaque, but it's the actual words. Here we go. Let's read it. Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. Could we just lift our hands and thank God for that promise? He's going to cause us to rise up. He's going to be a light unto us 
in the midst of a sinful world, a dark world. He's going to be the answer, Lord. And when they say, where's that Lord you've been talking about? We're going to say, he's right here. He's right next to me. Hallelujah. And we give you praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's clap our hands together and give him praise right now. Thank you, Jesus. Let's bow our heads together, shall we? Lord, thank you for... Lord, the attentive t attention tonight, thank you for the word of the Lord. Lord, I feel that you're coming soon. Help us to prepare our hearts. And Lord, keep us, go with us, meet every need, and guide us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for, uh, for being here. God bless you. Shake hands. Greet one another. You're dismissed. Praise God. Rejoice not against me, O oh, mine enemies.